Hi there, and welcome. If you're looking for an inspirational, kind of quirky, uplifting podcast, I think you've come to the right place. My name is Karen, and this is the Woman Inspired Podcast. You can find out more about this podcast and about me, I'm your host, by going to my website at womaninspired.com. That's W-O-M-A-N, inspired.com. And if you haven't listened to uh, many of my podcasts or any of them yet, you can check out other episodes by going to that website link and clicking on the podcast tab at the top and it'll take you right to a podcast player so you can tune in right there on my website. Uh, You can also uh, find me on uh, Smart, Smart, (laughs) no, that is not a website. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to try to get my mouth together for this podcast. I promise. Like I said, a little quirky. All right. (laughs) You can also find this podcast as part of the spark media ventures podcasts. So you can go to sparkmedia.ventures.com. So many wonderful podcasts are out there and people that I know, uh, people that I've had the pleasure of meeting and some amazing, podcast hosts out there. You're going to love it. All right. And of course, you can find this podcast on just about every major podcast platform there is. Thankful for those as well. All right. Today's episode is titled A Well-Chosen Word. Okay, let's jump right in because we're going to do some good old fashioned woman inspired pod quotes. You know, there are snippets of encouragement, something thought-provoking, sometimes serious, sometimes funny. And here is one of my favorites. The power of words is immense. A well-chosen word has often sufficed to stop a flying army, to change defeat into victory, and to save an empire. I'm going to repeat it for you. This is by Emile Desjardins, by the way. Uh, here we go. The power of words is immense. A well-chosen word has often sufficed to stop a flying army, to change defeat into victory, and to save an empire. Okay, here's another one. I have no idea who quoted this. It's unknown. Words are free. It's how you use them that cost you. Oh, powerful, don't you think? Okay, there's an old saying most of us learned when we were little kids that go something like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, that saying might have been fun to chant and kind of throw around at someone who's bullying you when you were younger, but let's face it, it's not true. No, we were lied to and we spoke lies. <laughs> it's a nice little sing song platitude, but the reality is that words do hurt. In fact, words don't just hurt, but words have power. Even if we don't want them to have power, they have power. Words can can do hurting. They can entice. They can become a stumbling block for someone else. That means they have power. Words can also induce laughter. I try to do that for, from time to time. Um, they can bring hope, happiness, joy, and, and they can also heal. And at the very essence of words, you know, the, the things that come out of the brain and then can be wielded by what the Bible says is the mighty weapon, the thing we all have in our mouths called the double-edged sword, the tongue, 
that can be wielded as a weapon. Words, words can become a weapon. And, not, and, and although we can't add to the Bible, we can look at it in today's cultural view and see that not only can the tongue be a double-edged sword and become a weapon, you know, it can be sharp and hurtful, but so can the words that are typed in and reread by those sitting behind keyboards and screens, right? They're still words and they have power. They can slice and they can dice, but they can also fix, repair, heal. You know, I'm one who believes strongly that your actions have to match your words. In fact, if all that was ever thrown at us were words through the Bible, you know, words that came out of Jesus's mouth and out of the disciples accounts, but they weren't followed up with action and the fulfillment of those words, the prophecies and the promises didn't happen, then our humanness would never believe in who Jesus Christ said he was and is. But the fact is, is that those words are true. The promises are true. The fulfillment, fulfillment of prophecy has come to pass in so many ways. God, you know, in his infinite wisdom, he knows this about us. He knows that we have to see with our natural eyes as well as with our spiritual eyes. This is why he continues to prove himself to us over and over, even though he doesn't have to, even though he shouldn't have to. Jesus would have been a nice character that we just read about in a book if his love didn't run red on the cross. If the tomb didn't have uh, this big rock in front of it that got rolled away and it was found empty. And if he didn't walk through the wall in the upper room or ascend up into the heavens, he would have just been a nice little character in a book to us. I'm not, I'm not sure if you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about how Jesus died for us and he was risen. He came back to instruct his disciples and he ascended and how he will return again. And we have a record of not just his words, but his actions in what we call the Bible, the word, the word. His words and actions tell our hearts, our spirits, and our minds that he's our savior. He's our Messiah, the king of kin, kings, <clears throat> excuse me, the king of kings. If God's actions hadn't matched the word that he gave us, then we wouldn't believe. We wouldn't have faith. We would not know truth from a lie. So actions are extremely important. However, words matter. And it's the words I'm talking about primarily in this episode. Words and the word. There is power in words. Take the Bible, for example. It's the most important word there is. God's word was written actually in our DNA as well. And not just that, but God's every breath and his words, just by speaking them into the void, created dark and light, stars and planets, the moon and the sun and the earth and, and all that's in it and on it, God created just by sp speaking a word. He's our creator, and just by his word, we are. That's powerful. That's the power of words. The Bible has more than a few choice words about words. <laughs> Proverbs fifteen eleven says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 
Have you ever experienced that? Whew, I have. <laughs> From other people's mouths and out of my own as well, unfortunately. Because there's power in words. Proverbs 15.4 says, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. And Proverbs 16.24 states that gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Wow, if only we could plaster those words across the screen before anyone anywhere, everywhere posted something on social media, right? Hey, hello, remember, gracious words are honeycomb. We want things to be sweet to the soul. You know, draw back your fingers. Think a minute before you throw out those words that are cruel and mean and disgusting. You know, it's easy to do that. It's easy to throw out words on a screen when you're hiding behind it and you don't have to look someone in the eyes and see their reaction when they get hurt. But but even then, face to face, some people enjoy that the power of their words can hurt someone else. Sad to say, but true. But words have more than just the power to keep peace or create wars. They have more power than the ability to soothe others or, or, or stir them up. Words are also a testimony to what lies in our heart. Our words and actions are an extension of our thought life and our heart life, our spiritual lives. Our words are an open tell for anyone who's observing us. They tell others what the condition of our heart is and where we are spiritually, whether we want them to or not. Matthew 12, 36 through 37 says, But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. That's, that's true, and that's scary, and yet hopeful, depending on how you're living your life and what words are coming out of your mouth. You know, I was in a grocery store, was it a grocery? No, it was a like a retail shop, a clothing store a few months ago. And there was a woman who was at the counter checking out. She was extremely agitated. I don't know what about. I wasn't there long enough. I'd just come up on the situation, so I didn't really know. But I was being checked out next to her at, at a different register. But I could hear what was going on next to me. She was extremely aggravated with the woman, uh, but she wasn't being mean. She wasn't, you could just tell she was agitated. She was actually being very nice to the woman. She said, um, no, I understand. It's okay. It's all right. All right. Well, I appreciate your help. I really do. Thank you. You know, she was very nice, but yet you could tell she was agitated. So I thought, okay, that's great because her words just, you know, kind of diffused the situation a little bit. It could have gotten really nasty. However, as I'm walking out the store and she's behind me, we get outside the store and there was somebody out there waiting for her, this other lady. And as soon as she sees her, she starts cussing and she starts bad talking the woman that checked her out. I mean, really horrible insults about the woman and how inept she thought she was and how stupid she was and things like this. So while she used her words initially 
to try to stay calm and peaceful in the situation. And it's okay to vent afterwards. What she did was she just showed as she stepped out that door what her heart and her spirit condition really was. She showed herself. Those are the things that we have to watch. Those are the things that we have to answer for. You know, let us not forget Ephesians 4, 29. It's an oldie, but a goodie. (laughs) It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So yeah, this woman, she had wholesome talk. Now, did she build up the woman behind the cash register? No, but at least she wasn't nasty to her. However, she didn't watch what she said. What was she doing in front of the woman and in front of strangers once she walked outside the door? If she had frustrations, she could have taken it to the Lord. She could have said it in private. She didn't have to be nasty about it. And I'm talking cussing downright nasty, horrible words out of the woman's mouth. It was like Jekyll and Hyde. Those words are powerful. I know they affected me. I'm just thankful that the woman who waited on her didn't hear them as well. You know, it can be a tough one, right? We fall short at times of conquering our mouths and what flies out of them. This is why it's so important to go back to the word of God, to get the word on how God wants us to use our words because there's power in them. Does this mean that God doesn't want us to joke around or have a sense of humor or get goofy or sing songs or, you know, laugh till liquid spews out of our nostrils? No, it doesn't say that. But we can watch how our humor comes across. We can measure a bit bit better, I think most of us, how we poke fun at other people and why. You know, what are our motivations behind the sense of humor? And just as importantly, are they actually funny? I mean, because... (laughs) Here's a newsmaker, my friends. A lot of people who think they're funny just aren't. They're cruel. And there's a difference. They think being spirited and attempting to make fools of other people is a base for humor. But it's it's just not funny. And it leads to some pretty hurt feelings. Again, to say that words can never hurt someone is a falsehood. But somehow we've come to a place in our world, in our culture, where words are tossed and thrown out as if they don't matter. Labels are taken on by people left and right, as if labeling themselves this or that will get them more attention. Put a word over your head. I am this, or I belong in this category. You must call me this. You must call me that. Uh, They they get attention. They get more money. They get more likes and follows on social media. And that seems to be the priority. Words are thrown out as if they can just be instantly retracted or just a simple, oh, sorry for saying these particular words makes it all better. But that's not so because words matter. And in a day and age when you literally cannot erase when you say something online or in social media, we have to try even harder to measure our words. Not because we should care what other people think of us, but because we should care how we who are supposed to represent Jesus come across to other people because we are out here to win souls for the Lord. We are out here to be a light for the Lord. And if our words create stumbling blocks or darkness or doubt for other people, we have just used our power in a poor way. 
will have to answer for it. Are we living up to the Christian hype or are we being hypocritical? You know what I mean? The Christian hype that says we're supposed to walk the walk and our words are supposed to match our actions and vice versa. Or are we just being hypocrites? Are we being honest and heartfelt, actually funny, or just being crude and trying to shock people for attention? But let me be sure to tell you that words don't just matter as far as if you say the right words at the right time, but also if you say a word incorrectly, which can throw off the meaning of your sentence and cause you not to communicate well. As a very simple example, it makes a big difference when you're writing something and you use the word there because it could be T-H-E-I-R or it could be T-H-E-R-E or T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E. Each one sounds the same as the next, but they look different and they all have different meanings. There are a lot of words that way in the English language and it can be confusing, especially when you're translating from one language to another. So the words that you say and how you say them, or how you write them, even the inflection in your voice when you speak them, and whether or not you get them grammatically correct or in the right order, it makes all the difference in the world. This is extremely important when you're communicating with someone as well as when you're writing or translating something. So this is why we have so many versions of the Bible, as in different translations, because words that are used at different time periods and culture will have a different meaning from one area to the next and mean something different in different languages. For example, when I was younger, if you use the word bad, it meant good. Man, those are some bad-looking shoes you got on. But 20 years or 30 years before that, the word bad just meant it was bad, awful, horrible, yuck. (laughs) Then we move into another decade when the word sick meant it was disgusting and something was horrible or someone was ill. You know, maybe it made you nauseous. But then fast forward 30 years and the word sick meant, oh, that's really cool and awesome. It's no different. And it was no different in biblical times. And it never has been different from the beginning of time. This is why words and what we mean them to say is so important. And not just how we say them, but the slang and the cultural significance has to be taken into consideration because that's part of life. You know, there are many words we use in America that have a completely different meaning than they do in other countries. And if you throw one of these words out around someone who's, you know, been in that country or from another different country, you might just get something you didn't want or maybe even slapped. I don't know. (laughs) For example, if you tell someone from Europe that you want chips, they're going to give you what we would call French fries in the United States. Because to them, what we call fries are chips. And if you tell someone from Ireland that you want to ride, expect to go back to their place for a little uninhibited romance because you may mean that you want them to give you a ride to work or to a shopping center, but they think it's something a bit more intimate than that. And I remember when I was probably in elementary school, we wore thongs on our feet. Anybody else remember that? Would they call them flip-flops now? Well, they use that term, though, in England, right? thongs. Here in the good old USA, sometime in the past 30 years, that term was changed to the flip-flops. We don't wear thongs on our feet anymore, and the word thong is used for something that gives you an instant wedgie. And if you're visiting a family in Europe, and they want to know where the dummy is, so their infant will stop crying, they don't mean your cousin Vinny. They mean a pacifier. (laughs) Okay, talking about words 
I know that's a little silly, but it's true. Talking about words leads me to the word in the Bible. It shares with us that words are extremely powerful when they're used to pray. You think about it, whether it's in your mind, whether it's vocally and out loud, whether it's corporately with a bunch of other people, or just you as an individual, the way that we communicate with God is through words. We can do it anywhere, anyhow, on our knees, standing up, in the shower, driving down the road, in a quiet room. But we get the privilege and the blessing of using our words to communicate with God. James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And in Jeremiah 29.12 it says, And you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. This is God. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. What is he listening to? He's listening to the words of your heart, the words that come from your spirit and your mind. And in Romans 8, 25 through 27, we're told that when we are wordless, in other words, when, when we're so overwhelmed and we don't know what to pray or what to say, that the Holy Spirit will help us even to, to groan out a prayer to lift them up to God. So at times we may be searching for just the right words to pray and we may not know them. All we may be able to do is groan out and cry out and shed tears. But we have to know that the Holy Spirit will intervene on our behalf and take our prayers the ones that we can't verbalize, the ones that we don't have the words for, he will translate them into the right language and the right words and take them straight to the Lord. But for those other times, when we know the words, but we just can't find a reason to say them, to make time to stop and use them, we need to turn to the word of God to remind us. You know, being able to slow down for just a few minutes and read the Bible and read the word. It can make all the difference in your day and in your life. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 is a scripture that I learned to cling to over the years. It helped open my eyes and heart to the power of God's words and to the words I might be able to speak in prayer. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer, using your words, and petition with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, anxiety over anything and everything used to be my daily grind. <laughs> Ever since I was about eight years old, at least that's the earliest I could recall, I had obsessive compulsive disorder. It's something I'm very open about, but I used to hide it because... I had no idea what it was when I was younger. I just knew that something was strange about me and that I didn't see this in other people. But my OCD became so bad when I was in my early 20s till probably my mid-30s that I felt almost incapacitated. I was afraid of everything. I had such an amazing amount of anxiety over just about every aspect of my life. This wasn't just some trendy, oh, I think it's funny, let's make a TV show about obsessive compulsive disorder. This was debilitating. I was unable to function in a lot of situations. I had to count and repeat. Everything had to be symmetrical. I was afraid of germs. I, I was afraid to go anywhere. I was afraid to be alone. It was, it was OCD. 
I chronicled my journey through OCD in a book I wrote called Breaking Free from OCD. Um, but for so many years, I didn't realize how important the words that we speak or the words that are in our heads and in our hearts and how we verbalize them during our prayer time is important. I didn't know. Or what the power in those prayers, in those words, could could do to our lives. It's one of the reasons why words are so important to me because when I was about 33 years old, I realized that the words we speak can be life or death. They can carry such an impact and a meaning to our own lives and, and affect other people. So they matter in that way, but they also matter in our relationship with God. It doesn't matter if you speak in audible words to God or not. He still knows your thoughts. He knows your heart and and what's most important. You don't have to be speaking aloud in order to pray or praise God. But at the same time, we were given words for a reason. And once I grasped hold of that fact, you know, that the words I communicated during prayer to God and the ways I lifted up my needs to him mattered, it changed my prayer life. OCD had buried so much of my life before then and it had taken away my zest for life and I, I didn't laugh much. I didn't joke around much. I didn't dance anymore. It entombed spiritual gifts that I had and hid them. And it, it, it hid my talents. I felt like I was in a tomb, kind of buried, feeling constantly covered up and buried. After I heard a sermon one year, though, uh, it was on a Sunday. I say one year because it's uh, when I was 32 years old, I realized that all I had ever prayed and asked God for um, and used my words for with God was some type of a desperate prayer, asking him to help my family and help my friends, but most of all, to help me get through another day, to help me stop thinking so much, to stop counting, to stop repeating, to stop caring about germs, to help me stop obsessing over everything and to stop repeating and cleaning and doing and redoing. And I had never asked God to take away my fears. I had never asked God to take away the actual obsessive compulsive disorder. I just dealt with the symptoms, not the root cause. I had never asked him to take away these fears, which really are the root of OCD. You see, when you're afraid of everything and you have anxiety about everything, your brain can kick into OCD mode to try to control something, anything. You may not be able to control the things you fear, but you can control how many times you fold a towel or how many times the light goes on and off. You may not be able to control if you get sick, but you can feel like you have some control by cleaning all the time, by not shaking hands with people and not going places. So the, the, the day this all hit me, I became so overwhelmed. I was desperate and I was down on my knees. I couldn't utter a word, but I was groaning and no doubt in the spirit as the Holy Spirit intervened for me. That's how the words came. And it washed over me that I had never used my words to ask God to take away the fear and to take away the OCD. The words mattered. And so I did it. And everything changed. For me, using the right words in the right way made all the difference in the world in what I was asking of God. And I believed that he could help me. And it made a difference in my brain. It was powerful. I wasn't just asking God specifically what I wanted in my life, but for what I needed, 
which is very important. But it was also affirming to me that I finally understood the root cause of the OCD, which was the fear. God took away my OCD. Where it used to make up 90% or more of my life, within less than a day, much of it was gone. I still had the bad habits and rituals that came with it that I'd been doing since I was in elementary school. And I had to deal with those. And he showed me a way to get those out of my life too. And I worked on that. Um, But the need to do them was gone. The habit was still there, but the need to do them and the fear, if I didn't do them, was gone. The fears just vanished. Through prayer and reading the, the word of God, it showed me how to to conquer the rituals as well. And what he showed me, um, I also shared in my book. But I, I share this with you because even though you, you may have heard it in this podcast before, um, but I want to inspire you, anyone, each of you, or even at least one person to use your words, to use God's words, to use words that are powerful and meaningful and to the point. Because words took on a greater meaning to me once I understood the power of my own words and the power of praying out of a place of truth and that my words in prayer mattered and that the power of the words in the Bible can affect my life. Words and God's word helped take me out of this tomb that I felt like I was in for so long. You know, I hope and pray today that if you feel trapped or buried underneath a mountain of anything, shame, embarrassment, fear, lacking words, feeling stuck, that you will seek God's word to show you what to say and what to do. Just open it up. A great place to start is Psalms. And just read the words and use them as your prayer. And understand that there is power in those words. There is power in the words that you have and that you say to others in front of their face and behind their back. And there's also power in the words that you say to yourself and about yourself, about your life and your situation and about who you are in the Lord. Because your words have power. They make a huge impact and make a difference in your life and in other people's lives. Remember the the pod quotes from earlier? A well-chosen word has often sufficed to stop a flying army and to change defeat into victory and to save an empire. It's so true. Your well-chosen words can affect your day. It can affect somebody else's day. It can affect how people see God in you or whether or not they even see God in you. You have the opportunity with your words to lift other people up in prayer, but also lift them up face to face and encourage them. Of course, they have to be from the heart, right? God showed us that. Words can't be empty words. They need to be heartfelt and real. So especially in this world today, let us work not to forget the truth in that quote, but more importantly, the truth that is the word of God. I pray that your words will become, if they're not already, well-chosen words. Okay, till next time, I pray that your words are careful when called for and carefree because of the Holy Spirit and the freedom we have through him. And, you know, 
filled with laughter and fun at times too. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Woman Inspired Podcast. I pray you have a blessed week. Thank you.